0: 72% of entrepreneurs are struggling with mental health. Most don't ask for help. Today is the day we change that. Today is the day we prioritize and destigmatize mental health. We are entrepreneurs, visionaries, high achievers, change makers. We defy the odds every single day. We dream the biggest dreams. We fail and fall flat on our faces. We get up and try harder. We believe in our ideas even when everyone around us doubts them. We are driven to find the solutions to the world's biggest problems. We speak because our voice matters. We show up because we make a difference. We share our most vulnerable stories because we know someone can finally find the courage to share theirs. And in our collective sharing, we rise, we heal, and we embody brave visibility.
1: Today, we met with Kelly Ruda, psychotherapist turn coach, speaker, and trainer for Disruptive Women. Isolation and disconnection due to anxiety and depression are really problematic. And when not addressed, it can hold people back from being the most honest version of themselves in the world. And at worst, it can lead to things like violence and suicide.
2: Anxiety is worrying about something that hasn't happened yet, and we discussed how you can change that inner dialogue with yourself to calm the anxiety. We talked about how you can understand your triggers and when it's time to get therapy. When you start sharing your stories more openly online, sometimes there are naysayers or negative family or friends who don't approve the type of content you're posting. In this episode, we talk about how to deal with these negative people so you can continue to express your truest self online. Keep on listening if you're ready to learn why fearlessness is total BS. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Brave Visibility. We are so excited to have an amazing person, a great friend join us today, Kelly Ruda. Hi Kelly, thank you so much for being
3: here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really really excited to be with both of you and to have this uh, this conversation.
2: Yes. And Kelly, you know, uh, she's someone that I ha- I have been blessed to live in the same state with. You know, we're both um, in North Carolina. I'm in Thailand right now, but we happened to meet in person and it was just kind of like like we immediately uh, hit it off and it was just wonderful. And um, she's a psychotherapist turned coach, speaker and trainer for disruptive women. And Kelly, just tell us about this amazing work that you're doing because it is so freaking needed.
3: (laughs) <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a long journey, a twisty, turny journey. I definitely did not sort of take the straight path, but I was, <laughs> uh, like you mentioned, a psychotherapist for over two decades, and it was really beautiful, powerful, fulfilling work. And then I realized I was done, that that part of my career and my life, was. Uh, it was time to close the door and move on. And And I felt really called, pulled, nudged, shoved, I'm not really sure what the right <laughs> word is, to uh, to start um, reaching more people, women in particular. And so I really made that leap and, and created a bridge by doing mindset work, specifically with female entrepreneurs, until about six months ago when I got really, really clear that my message was meant to go cross-industry, not just in the online space, not just for entrepreneurs, but really for women everywhere, whether they were doing it on a micro level or a macro level, but women who identified as, as disruptive, as really powerful change agents, uh, who know that in order to do this work in the world, we need community, we need support, uh, we need inner mastery so that we can go out and do this work that requires a lot of bravery and a lot of vulnerability. Uh, you know, vulnerability. So, uh, so I made the leap there too and changed my messaging and and really what I'm offering out in the world to support those women. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. It's you know a, a twenty it. a twenty four year journey in you know five sentences so to speak. <laughs>
2: I love it. It's, I, and I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Well, first of all, just hearing the 24 years, it's like, I mean, <laughs> it's amazing because you look so, so young. You look like 30. <laughs> so it's like you, you did this when you were six. You uh, <laughs> you're,
3: I love you for a reason. Thank you. No, I am, I am 47 years old. So this has been going on a long, long time. And, uh, and I'm grateful for that. I'm really grateful yeah. because one of the things I am seeing in Especially in the online space, that concerns me is uh, a, a lack of expertise and a lack of yeah. really having been in the trenches and done the work before you turn around and claim expertise uh, and yes. claim to be able to truly help people. So, yeah, it, I got a lot of years under my belt. <laughs> I'll put it that way.
1: <laughs> Love it. And that's one reason why we wanted to bring you on here. You know, we're yeah. really wanting this podcast to be where people get the advice from the best experts out there. Mm -hmm. So um, I would love to kind of dive a little bit into your story. I know, you know, publicly you definitely share a lot of things that are kind of more intimate sort of details about your story and, and you know some of the darkness that happened inside of your life that really kind of I would guess would led you on to this healing journey itself yes. so I would yes. love to know more about your about your personal story you know Absolutely. I really think a lot of people are like yeah like what's the work you do but I want to know about your personal story about yeah. how yeah. how you got so passionate about helping these disruptive women
3: Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you're willing to go there. Right. So thank you for being no, I I mean that. I I think, you know, a lot of podcasts out there are really well meaning, but I think some of the hosts are afraid to go there because when, you know, you talk to people about their shadow side or their the darkness or the things that they really the dark corners that they've visited in their lives, it makes you look at your own. And that can be Mm. really Kind of scary, so I appreciate you being willing to go there. Uh, I'm very transparent about the things that I've been through, uh, and so I feel like it's important to, without apology, without justification, share that with people and say that a, a big part of why I pursued being in a you know quote unquote helping profession was because of what I had been through. I mean, I've been diagnosed with eight billion things. So whether it's, you know, major depression, um, anxiety, panic, uh, I was suicidal twice. I've been on and off medication a million times. I had both anorexia and bulimia. I'm a survivor survivor of sexual abuse. There's just a lot there Mm -hmm. to the story. And, you know, the reason I'm passionate about it is because I don't have some dramatic, like rags to riches kind of story. If you were to look at my family and how I grew up, you would never suspect any of this stuff ever. Mm-hmm. I come from, you know, a, a upper middle class, suburban, very successful family that on the outside, when you look at everybody, you know, everybody looks like they've got their, their ish together. And it's, it just was not that way. It just looked that way. I come from a long line of alcoholics, a long line of people with mental illness who did not really either because they couldn't or wouldn't uh, access what they needed to access in order to heal. Mm. So it became really clear to me at a very young age, like 14, that part of why I was here was to change the trajectory of my family tree. And that is both a blessing and a burden. It means you have to do the work and the work is really, really painful. And sometimes it's really scary and really hard. And what's on the other side of it is the ultimate freedom to speak the truth of who you are, to fulfill your potential. And for me, as somebody who lives and breathes to make a difference in the world, I get to do that in a bigger and bigger way. The more I heal myself. So, you know, I still to this day continue to uh, make sure on a regular basis I'm doing things to help myself heal, whether it's energetic work or physical work or, uh, you know, psychotherapy or whatever. I am constantly leaning in uh, so I can heal myself and enjoy my own life and my own business more fully, but also make a, a much bigger difference in the world. So, So, Kimra, kind of to your question, there have been a lot of dark corners. Depression is dark. Anxiety is dark. You know, suicide is dark. Being trapped inside of an eating disorder and all the things that come with that is dark. Sexual abuse is dark. And yet, uh, there's so much light in my life in terms of my relationships and my work and just going deeper with myself and getting to know myself, the truth of myself more and more, even sometimes just like on a minute to minute basis. Um, So yeah, I've been to all those dark corners and I refuse to just survive them. To me, that's not enough. That's not good enough. Uh, I will not settle for anything less than thriving and making a difference as a result. So I don't know if that kind of, you know, goes there with you, but feel free to take it further. Yeah,
1: I um, feel very relatable to that story this relates to me very much I come from very um, similar um, experiences as a child where I was around a lot of you know mental health things going on in my family Um, there was a lot of you know addiction there was just so much things going on from sexual abuse to just everything in between yeah and you know I remember as a teenager distinctly making a decision to not be like my family members. Yes. And in order to do that, that meant I had to heal. Right. And I think it's it's very interesting that you said you started that journey as a teenager, really. Yes. Um and because I feel like a lot of us don't even start till we're like 35, 40, 50 even yeah. before we even start doing this work. True. Um, and I think that it's it's so incredible that you started having that awareness at such a young age of like, you know, I I want to be able to get through this. Um yeah. and and I think it's really interesting too what you said about how, you know, your family on the outside look like it's like, oh, this is just like the perfect little suburbia family. Oh, man. Like, we, yes. No problems yes. going on. Um, So what was that like kind of growing up? Like, was it like where your family wanted you to like, pretend that everything yes. was okay um, to everyone else? Yeah. So
3: basically, it, uh, I don't know that they consciously thought of it that way, right? I mean, they weren't these, they're not sociopaths. It's not, they weren't looking to uh, manipulate from this conscious malicious place. It was generations of habits and patterns and perceptions and denial that got handed down, Right. Like I said, I come from a long, long line of of alcoholics and a long line of people with depression and and mental illness, and so you know when that happens in families, you develop roles and you develop systems inside your family to cope with that and to survive. So really, uh, I think my family didn't really know what to do. They still don't know what to do with me. I'm gonna just be straight up honest. They're like, oh my god. We do not know what to do with her. And I got the message from very young that I was too much, too big, too loud, too opinionated, too this, to that, you know. And so play small, be small. Uh, don't speak up. Don't tell the truth about things. It's embarrassing. It will shame the family. It will all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And my personality is such that that does not sit well with me. And it mm. never, ever, ever has. Number one, <laughs> I don't like to be told what to do, so that was, you know, I'm sure challenging for my parents. But number two, I'm just—I uh, really believed down to my core that telling the truth is always the way, always the way. Yeah. And you know, I didn't always do it well. Uh, as a young person, I was abrupt. Um, I, you know, I could be harsh. I could be brash, and you know, I had to figure out how to do it in a way that was um, of service to everybody, which had taken me a long time. But my family, really, their biggest issue was denial. They to this day will will say that never happened. That never happened, and I know that they believe that. They actually really do believe that. And I just know that that is not my truth. So I choose to speak my truth. Um, And, you know, there are consequences for it, but I'm okay with that because really the good stuff that comes of it is it far outweighs any of the consequences of, of the pushback that I get.
1: Oh
2: my gosh. I love it. This is just so powerful. One thing that just pops up in my mind, Kelly, and, and, you know, you're the psychotherapist. So you tell me if this is like something that actually, if there is truth to this, Mm -hmm. but like for me, for instance, um, you know, I visited home, we're on this world tour right now. Right. So we started our world tour by visiting my family, in Istanbul, Turkey. <laughs> it was not a good idea to kickstart there. Oh so, boy. Okay. It <laughs> cuz it just triggered. You see, for me I I left home when I was 17, traveled all the way across to the US and I I studied, you know, I be, I became a student. Like I right. traveled I went to the U S to study like that was, that was the thing. And, and then I never went back. Like I ended up working there and getting married and having my kids and starting my life, basically um, my entire adult life being in the U S and going back, you know, of course I go back to visit, but this was the first time that I visited for an extended period of time, Mm -hmm. two months to be exact. And I lived through certain things that I had forgotten that I didn't even know existed um, within my family. And it was it was so hard to face it yes. and it was really challenging and it triggered so many things that I didn't even know was there. Yes. So sometimes it may not be as overt as like sexual abuse or alcoholics right. or this and that. Like right. um, I didn't have that in my immediate fam- family, like maybe, you know, uncles and aunts and stuff like that, you know, definitely um, alcohol issues there, but within my immediate family, everything was okay. However, I realized there were things that were not as overt, yes. but I understood um, that it is there, yes. you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and so is that something that it, like, there is truth to that, right? Like, oh cause I was like, I'm not imagining things, no, right? No, no, no,
3: no, no, no. Listen, listen, it, you know, uh, People will tend to listen to stories like mine or maybe even stories like yours, Kimra, and then they start to trauma compare. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) They start to go, Oh God, well, what happened to her is way bigger there or worse than what happened to me. So then I must be really making a big deal out of nothing or things or Yeah, we should never belittle any kind of trauma. I I believe in that because (laughs) anything Be very clear though, even if your family is trauma-free, which I hope for your sake it is, but the likelihood is it (laughs) is not, Right? even if we're not talking about your direct exposure to something that created trauma for you, there are things in our families that we must examine and we must be the observer of in an mm-hmm. effort to heal from them and also change them and change the generational patterns whether exactly. you have children or you have nieces and nephews or whatever it is it doesn't matter we we look at them and examine them and we have to validate our experience of them in other words our truth our perception of what happened because it is part they they are the threads that are woven into our personal story Yes. So whether or not you were exposed to something traumatic directly, it is not the issue here. The issue is owning your story and owning the truth of your experience. That is what matters. So absolutely, yes. Especially when you've stepped away for a long time and then you come back with these fresh and adult eyes, you perceive things that you did not perceive before. That's exactly
2: what happened. That's exactly what happened. And I was like, how come I never knew this? Like, how come I didn't realize this?
3: It's okay. And know that it's okay. It's it's True. fine that you didn't. The, the key is you do now. And also here's yeah. the other key. Your trigger is a gift. Being triggered mm. is always a gift. And people get so pissed off when I say this, but it is the truth. Oh,
2: I love hearing that. It's
3: Every such a beautiful time. thing. Yep. Every time you are triggered, it's an invitation for you to lean in. And mm. most people won't. They'll say, you said something that pissed me off or you said something that hurt my feelings or you said something that made me uncomfortable. The truth is every time you're triggered, it's an invitation for you to lean in and get closer to the truth of what's going on with you. Because if we don't take a hundred percent accountability for our responses and our reactions oh, for to sure. things, then we don't have true freedom. True freedom is being able to choose from a place of wisdom and truth, a response that is a, the highest service to you and other people. Right. And you can't do that. If every time you're triggered, you blame somebody else. Yeah. Wow. That's
1: just, I mean, that's just so much to unpack right now. Uh, (laughs) Um, because, you know, I mean, so here's a story, you know, I haven't really shared this uh, publicly, but when, when I was 20, I was raped by a man who was in a, in a punk band that I, and I'd been friends with them for several years. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, he kind of basically like groomed me to really trust yep. him and things like that. And yep. then when he had the opportunity, he decided to take action on whatever he was, you know, wanting to do to me. And, um, you know, I, I had actually ended up blocking that out of my mind completely. Yes. Um, and I remember when I was pregnant with each of my kids, I had actually the, you know, the midwife had always asked, you know, had you experienced, you know, sexual trauma? Have you ever been raped before? Like they asked those questions, sure. like when you, you know, go to get your examination. And every single time I, I said, no, that I hadn't been raped. And then I saw um, a person who had actually been a booking agent when I was in Los Angeles, when it happened, this was like 11 years later after right. it happened right, and I saw him at this concert and I was it's like the whole entire thing came flooding back yep. to me. Yep. And I was like, what the heck? I felt like I'd been living this lie my whole, like for years. Like yes. I was like, what is going on? And that really put me onto this, this, this journey. And it made me realize that it, I was grateful for that trigger. Yes. I was so grateful for it because it helped me realize like so many things that were going on wrong with me yes. and why it was difficult for me to heal, even though I had gone through so much personal development and I'd gone to all the therapies and I'd done right. all the stuff. I didn't realize that that I didn't even like my brain literally forgot it even had happened.
3: So a couple wow. things about this. <laughs> First of all, I always say this because I don't think enough people say it. I am truly, truly sorry that that happened to you. I, I really am. I'm truly Thank sorry because 80%. I think at this point we're all meeting each other, and there's so many of us going, "Oh shit, me too, me too, me too." Yeah. That it's it's become so normalized that we forget to go. Yeah, I'm sorry that that happened to you. So that's first things first. Thank you. Se- second of all, I want you to take a second and and feel good about how powerful your brain and your mind actually is. Mm -hmm. Your brain and your mind assessed that that situation at that point, at that time in your life and and during your pregnancies, that you were not in a space that would have been helpful for you to remember that then, Mm -hmm. right? So your brain and your mind did that on your behalf to try to protect you.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think it actually help me be a better mother. Sure. Because I think sure. if I would have been working through that when the kids were very little, yeah. that I wouldn't have been able to be there for them yep. in the yeah. way that I needed to be.
3: Yeah. And I'm so right there with you. I'm so right there with you. They're, yeah.
1: Grateful that my brain did that. Yes. And I'm sure there's other people listening that might be thinking, like, well, how do I find out if those things happen if nothing really gives me that big trigger? And so, my question to you would be, like, what if people, because people, they, you know, all over on the internet, oh, that person's just triggered. They're just triggered. I mean, it's like a word <laughs> that's just being thrown around I everywhere. I know. And so, how do we know if it's just. Someone is being super offensive, or oh, if are. it's like, or the difference between like that is a legitimate trigger. Oh, I yeah, 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 journal and talk to my therapist about first
3: that. of all. First of all, let's let's be really clear, these are not mutually exclusive things. Somebody can be a complete jackass <laughs> <laughs> online or anywhere else, and you're gonna have feelings about that. Those yeah. that just because you're triggered somebody who's truly doing something offensive or insulting or disrespectful doesn't invalidate your trigger. What Mm -hmm. I'm saying is anytime you're triggered, it's an invitation for you to look at your response and Mm -hmm. to say, what do I choose? Okay. What is going on in me here? What, what are the feelings I'm actually feeling? Why am I feeling them? What are they connected to? What's here for me? There's always something there for you. Right. And sometimes the most beautiful thing that's there for you is the ability to choose a pause between what you think and feel and what you do. Mm. And I wish more people would practice that sacred pause before they just, you know, flew off the handle or reacted or said things because it's not, I will never say you are you're not entitled to how you feel. How you feel is how you feel. I rage hard and I have to keep it in check. And when my Mm -hmm. rage is triggered, I have to look at why I'm thinking about punching that person in the throat. Like I really Mm -hmm. need to stop myself and go, okay, what's going on here? Cause that's anger is mine. And I'm never going to say to myself, don't be angry. My anger is powerful Mm -hmm. and I have learned to use it and funnel it into really good powerful things, but Mm. only because when I'm triggered, I stop and I have a real internal dialogue with myself about what's going on. And believe me, sometimes I'm triggered over something somebody said or did that it's ridiculous. It's got nothing to do with anything. And I have to go, Mm -hmm. why am I what is going on here with me? Oh, okay, it's an insecurity. Oh, okay. That's reminding me of the time that thing happened and you know, it was a really bad situation. And other Mm -hmm. times I'm triggered because Uh, You know, of, and a lot of times for me, it's political stuff where Mm -hmm. I'm looking at things that are happening and I'm going, this is why we rage. This is what's going on. But the trigger, because I've practiced this so much, I know that when I am triggered, it is a signal to me to pause. Pause mm-hmm. and examine. Pause and examine, and choose a response from a conscious place, not from a reactive ego-based place. Mm-hmm. Is that making
2: sense the way I'm explaining? That makes so much sense. Yeah, because it's like you're you're pausing, and you're you're re- you're basically taking personal responsibility at that moment on, on how to react. I mean, yes, the anger is there, and we don't want to suppress it, but it's how we react, right? And right, I, and it's not so about.
3: It, right. And it's not about whether or not the other person, what they're saying is valid or invalid or whatever. You can be triggered because somebody is truly being awful, or you can be triggered by something that really has absolutely nothing to do with you. And you your mind just made a connection and you had an emotional right. response. So I don't want people thinking that, you know, you know, like minimizing being triggered, being triggered is such a powerful tool for self-awareness. If you allow it yeah. to be that for yourself. Yeah.
0: I wow. love that.
1: And that's incredible. And I think a lot of people online, especially just using the internet, you know, Facebook and Instagram <laughs> and everywhere. Yeah. A lot of people, they All don't the really again. take that pause. They no. just, immediately start replying and replying and replying to people and all these comments and these big old threads where people, I'm just like, wow, everyone on this thread just looks so foolish. Yes. You know, like they're just arguing back and forth over like nothing. They're, yes. And they got too much time on their hands.
2: yeah <laughs> Well,
3: that and when you understand kind of from a psychological perspective that what happens is your your ego is more interested in protecting you, it thinks it's protecting you by proving that you're right, right? Yeah. That I'm right. My perspective is right. I'm valid. I, the, in, if, if we can get past that and see that, you know, we can agree to disagree on a lot of things yes. in a respectful manner, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be this yeah. lashing out craziness, Um, it also doesn't mean that you have to have this prim and proper response. I am very direct. I'm very firm. I am very outspoken. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I (laughs) you know, and I really don't care about people's responses to it. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean, I mean it in that I speak because I know there's a, a, a group of people who needs to hear what I have to say Mm -hmm. and everybody else who disagrees or wants to hate on me about it. It's fine. I'm not speaking to you. I don't speak to convert. Like that's not my mission. I speak to so that the women who already know they have this stirring in their soul, in their heart, in their mind to be more brave, more visible, more vocal, all of those things. I'm speaking to them. So Mm. you know, I get asked a lot why what do you do with haters? I basically ignore them. Mm -hmm. I treat them like toddlers. Because when my, I have two sons and when they used to have fits and smash their head on the kitchen floor because they didn't get what they want, I didn't stand there and argue with them about it. I got up and walked away and I would say to them, when you're done having a fit and you're ready to have a conversation, come find me. I pretty Mm -hmm. much treat haters the same way. Yeah. I will say, yeah. if you want to have a constructive, conscious conversation about this topic, I am always open to that. However, yeah, this seems to be going in a not constructive you know, direction, and I am really fiercely protective of my energy and my time and my focus, so I choose not to go there with you. So, yeah. And people will just keep going. They will keep trying to bait you. And I'm like, I don't even answer. I'm like, no, you don't get it. You don't have the privilege of my attention. Sorry. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think that's so important, especially for, you know, a lot of people listening here because we do have businesses or maybe we have blogs or YouTube channels or podcasts. And there might be people who, you know, say something that's, you know, like, some sort of hater type of response to us, Um, you know, and I do get that quite often, you know, I'm very... Um, yes. Opinionated, you know, I was the kid just like you when you said when you were a kid, you know, too big, too opinionated, yep. too bold. I mean, I even remember family members saying that no one would want to be my boyfriend or marry me because yeah. I'm too
3: opinionated. Um, <laughs> and uh, my dad told I got me was gonna <laughs> have my ass beat. He told me that many times. He's like, if you don't learn to shut your mouth, you are going to get your ass beat. I'm, yeah. I'm 47 and I'm like, oh, i still, still hasn't happened. It's all good, <laughs> so we're, we're good.
1: Yeah, and I, I think when when it comes to you know a lot of people because you know this podcast is called Brave Visibility, some of us can actually get scared to make yes. post and share our truth yes. because of what some of these some of these people might get really triggered yes. by something that we say. Yes. And mm-hmm. you know, I I have became very vocal about you know um, businesses being more inclusive of LGBTQ yes. and people of color. And I had a person yesterday who was just bullying and bashing me on their page. And so what I ended up doing is, because I was actually blocked, but one of my friends could see their page. And so I told her to take screenshots of everybody that was on there. So I personally messaged every person that was on there to clarify what I had said. Mm -hmm. And every single one of those people was so grateful that I had a conversation with them rather than a lash out, I hate your guts thing. And one woman, um, I'm actually going to be, um, speaking to, she works with a group of teenagers, um, who are transgender teenagers and she, we've now booked a call because she wants me to, to speak with her teens about my story. And she was a person on the thread who was super pissed at me.
3: Yeah. Um, That's the power of conscious conversation though. And you can't have a conscious conversation if you are in reactive mode. Mm -hmm, Now look, I'm not saying, look, I don't do this perfectly. So I don't want anybody thinking I'm sitting here on my high horse saying like, I handle everything awesome all the time. I don't, (laughs) but I do, you know, this is a practice for me. This is something that I have I have come to enjoy greater degrees of mastery around. Now there's always somebody who keep, who will show up and get me to learn to master it better because Mm -hmm. they push me harder. And so when that teacher arrives, as much as I want to, you know, in my head, I'm like, oh, I could just punch you in your throat. Yeah. Well, you know, I also have to <laughs> cultivate gratitude for that because it's an, it's a, uh, an opportunity for me to practice and get better at this. Right. And how can you go out and model this and teach this and kind of preach it if I'm not practicing it every single day,
0: mm-hmm. all yeah. the time. That's right. so
1: powerful that you wow. said that, you know, you're just being that, that example um, of of what you're of what you're saying, you know. And I and I and I feel like myself, yeah, I can get reactive towards people um, and certain things like online, especially. Um, and, and it's even harder when someone purposely goes out, makes a post on their page the whole post completely bashing you. Mm -hmm. The post also very homophobic where it said LGBTQ and then they put a bunch of letters afterwards, like 20 other letters afterwards.
3: Oh, to minimize it. Yeah, yeah, to
1: like minimize it. And we're putting like, you know, like the little, you know, laughing like emojis and that sort of stuff. And so they were like minimizing like LGBTQ and this is obviously, you know, as a queer woman myself, I'm obviously like, oh my gosh, like, what should I say to this person? My first reaction is just to be like, F you, you POS, blah, 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 you know what I mean? Like my first reaction is like, do that. Um, Because clearly, it was a, a completely homophobic um, post. Sure. Um, But instead, what I did is I was just like, you know what? Like, there is somebody that is, you know, bullying me and trying to, you know, put hate out there towards me. And the thing is, is, hey, thank you, hater, because you have made me feel even stronger about yeah. my cause. You have made me feel mm-hmm. like I need to be having more conversations about this. There's it's no actually, question. It's guiding me, I feel, yeah. almost. Yeah. It's really leading me down this path. And I had a woman message me who said, you know, I feel like there's just this whole, whole other path that's opening for you and then I started messaging all those people that were like super angry at me on the thread and I started messaging them personally and then one of them now I'm like working with and be supporting her and all these things and you know I know that it, it had happened for a reason and Always. I love that you were saying you know earlier like it's like these triggers are a gift they're opportunities Yes. A big opportunity for me. And I'm so grateful that some of those things happen. And yes, it's scary to have, you know, haters online. And I had, I have people messaging me, oh my gosh, like, how do you deal with people like that? I'm just like, I just say, screw them. Like, whatever. Like, you know, like, like, I mean, I'm not going to change their opinion. But the thing is, is the people that are commenting on their thread some of those people might, might not 100% agree with what he says, and yeah. um, that I think is the difference. Is really I had to step back and just be, you know, like what what's really happening here, and and what sort of conversation can I open up about this topic.
3: Um, yeah. And I think the thing to remember here, because so a couple of things, number one, the online space, one of the unfortunate things about it is it's a really great place for people who have really weak or non-existent limits and boundaries to run amok hmm. and to cr- almost have this like pack mentality for other people who also have really poor limits and boundaries. Mm. And, you know, that's a super unhealthy, super unhealthy thing. But the second thing is I I try to remind myself and other people all the time, the way people treat you is about them. It's not about you at all.
0: It's not about you
3: at all. So when somebody is hateful towards you, if somebody is um, threatening towards you, if somebody is trying to make fun of or minimize you, what that is revealing to you, it, it's literally a mirror of what is going on inside of them. Because you, when you are a confident, secure, happy, generally high vibe person, you don't behave that way, period. Oh, yeah. You just don't. So when people treat you like that, it hurts, it's offensive, it's disrespectful, it's angering. And at the same time, you have to be able to see that this is so much more about them. Now, maybe something you said or did or that you stand for was a trigger for them, but you've got to be able to see it that way. Mm -hmm. That you speaking your truth triggered something in them and they do not yet have the skill set to see that as an opportunity for them to grow and expand and heal and be a better version of themselves. So mm-hmm. what do they do? They turn it around and they make fun. They create fear. They, they are hate mongers. They're whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It is wholly about them. Yeah, And when you can know it. that as truth, you become less offended and you it's easier to go, oh, this is a huge opportunity for me. Like, yeah, I still think you're a jackass, but this is a, still a huge <laughs> opportunity for me to do some good in the world. But like, yeah. that's a very hard thing to do if you're stuck in a space of, being defensive or reactionary or whatever, and look, I, like I'm not a robot. Things, things people say hurt my feelings, but mm-hmm. whatever. I'm here to do big work. Yeah, so and, I'll bring my not waste time. Yeah, um, I'll bring my hurt feelings with me, and we'll just go do the work. Because yeah. you know, stopping or being stopped by somebody else's ignorance, hate, or fear, or being intimidated by me, which I've heard my whole life, which is I mm-hmm. still don't understand. Uh, that's really not my business. That's not my business. Yeah. Yeah. I actually
1: had made a post that was like, you know, if, if you're intimidated by me, that means you have something to look, you need to look inside yourself to figure out why it's not my responsibility to not be intimidating you. Cause I get that all the time. Like I had that where, you know, people say, you know, Oh, you're just so intimidating. And and I'm like, okay, like I'm pretty chill, um, yeah. you know. I just like I'm friends with kind of like everybody, all groups of people, like. Yeah. And so I, I always find that interesting. But I think it's just something inside of them that's reflecting. And um, so yeah, this whole this whole conversation, oh, it's so interesting. I have so many things. <laughs> to Kelly, I want
2: to, I want to actually pivot a little bit. Yeah, you yeah. Something that. Um, that you mentioned in the application, you know, and I love it and I really want to be able to touch upon that point, actually two points. Mm-hmm. One of them you mentioned, and it goes so well with our, with the podcast name, you know, brave visibility with our brand where you said fearlessness is bullshit. And it's I want you to expand bullshit. on that. Yeah. yeah
3: it's so- complete bullshit. And and I am not popular for, for making that statement. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who really um, don't appreciate me saying that. And I understand the sentiment behind fearlessness, right? I I really get where it has come from that for so long, women especially and marginalized groups of people especially have Mm -hmm. been trapped in these patterns and habits that are fear-based. And so we hold back and we don't speak our truth. So I understand where this sort of I, I see it almost as a marketing movement, right? Mm-hmm. Has come from yeah. about be fearless, but but it's not truthful and it's not honest. Mm-hmm. The truth yeah. of fearlessness is it's a moment, and if you're lucky, you will have that a couple times in your life. Maybe you're you know in the flow of doing work, you're on a stage, you're on a podcast, you're on TV, you're on a, whatever it is, right? You're writing and you have this moment where you're experiencing utter fearlessness, right? That's mm-hmm. beautiful. But understand that is a moment. That is not a consistent state of being. Yeah. What I've always said is I think it puts women and other marginalized groups in quite a bind mm-hmm. when what you're saying to us is be fearless. So you're mm-hmm. telling me on top of all the other shit I have to deal with, as a woman or as a person in a, in a marginalized group. Now I have to be fearless on top of it. Are you kidding me? Get out of here. No. What I say to people is be scared. I'm scared every single day. I'm scared Mm -hmm. all the time, all the time. Mm -hmm. And I choose to be brave so that you can be full of fear anytime. And it doesn't stop you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be devoid of fear to speak, to write, to, you know, express yourself, to tell your story, Mm -hmm. to be truthful, to be seen. You know, one of the scariest things you will ever do is tell the truth of your story and be emotionally honest about it and vulnerable. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. How, How do you do that without being at least a little bit scared?
0: Mm-hmm. So I of
3: believe you know, this movement of being fearless is utter bullshit, mm-hmm. and I think it really does people a disservice. I would yeah. much mm-hmm. rather see people with platforms and positions that really impact people starting to say, fearlessness is not required for mm-hmm. you to be successful, for you to heal, for you to impact other people. The only thing that's required is the daily decision to be brave. Yeah, yeah
1: that's so incredible. And and th- I've had this same exact belief system because I've been interviewed yeah, on too. so many podcasts, and people yeah. would say, Kimra, you just do everything so fearlessly. And I would say, No, yeah. I do this <laughs> while I am scared. When yeah. I make a post about a very vulnerable story or an intimate story. Of something I've gone through, I'm terrified when I post that. Oh
3: yeah. I'm scared I'm gonna
1: lose followers. I'm scared that people are gonna start saying hateful things about it. I'm scared that what are what are my kids gonna think later when they see this online? Like, I mean, there's all sorts of fears that end up happening. And I remember when I posted about my separation with my husband post I had, I had made at that, at that point, I was terrified because my audience had seen me in a certain way. So that was terrifying. Then I did, um, I wanted to come out of the closet and I decided, okay, go big or go home. I'm going to be really terrified (laughs) to do this. So I did it from a stage. So I had a friend who invited me to speak at an event and I had 20 minutes to speak. And I was like, can I use this opportunity to come out of the closet? Right. And he was like, certainly, you know, this, the stage is yours, do it. And I was on stage shaking the entire time, even yeah. as a person who has been on stage a lot of times, who's done all the podcasts, done all yeah. the webinars. Yeah. I still have that fear. And I yeah. think it's important for anybody listening, especially because most people listening are entrepreneurs, like you doing things scared
3: is the way we do it. You and know, it's, like it's, it's not. The way. Yeah, it's, it's the way I, and, mm-hmm. and I think, uh, you know, a question I get a lot from people privately, not, it doesn't really come up online, but people will pull me aside at events or whatever. And they'll say, you look like you've got it all together. You're so Mm -hmm. confident. You're so assertive. How, were you just born like that like how, and it makes me laugh all the time not at them but at myself because i'm like oh no do you not get what's going on here i mean <laughs> yeah i i am a very confident person but i'm confident because i do this work every single day to be utterly unstoppable but i do it because i'm so scared yeah. i 'm so afraid there 's so many things that i 'm afraid of there's so many things in my history that created terror for me there 's so many my brain is traumatized by things that have happened to me that i 'm trying to heal my brain like there 's lots yeah. of things going on. I have kids the minute you have a kid there 's a billion <laughs> other things to be afraid of i mean it 's yes. all there in my face every day. The reason I am confident is not because I'm without fear. The reason I'm confident is because I've done everything in spite of my fear. That is yeah. why I'm so confident. That is why and, I believe I'm unstoppable because I'm scared all the time and I do it anyway. And I think that's the definition of
2: being brave anyway, because like the fact that you're being brave, it shows that there is something that you are you know, scared of. There is Ooh, yeah. something that calls for you to... Say okay, you know what, inner voice, just one second. I need to do this, and you're stepping up yes. and you're being brave about it. Yeah. So yeah. I think, uh, like I, I am totally with you. It's it's about feeling the fear, knowing it's there, but doing it anyway,
3: right? Yeah, and, and
0: yeah, and not. Coll-
3: I, I use the word collusion. Like I, when I teach, um, I have like a, a six month coaching intensive, and and I teach a lot about this stuff in the intensive. And one of the things I teach people about fear is you know, to be the observer of your fear, not mm. to be a, in collusion with your fear. Because mm. the minute you start getting in there and hashing it out with your fear and, you know, ha- you know, you will go down that rabbit hole so fast Yeah, because your ego wants to keep you where you are. That's part of the function of having an ego in your personality is it thinks that, you know, your comfort zone is, is a safe place for you to be where your soul, your spirit, your inner self, whatever word you want to It's always going to call you forward into a state of expansion. So you've got to learn how to navigate things like fear and guilt and shame and anxiety, because if you're not the observer of them, then you're in this like dramatic relationship with them. And everybody knows that drama in relationships isn't good. Nothing good comes of it, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, be the observer of your fear, validate it, be compassionate because the minute you're judging your own fears, you're off and running with them as well. And then be willing to choose from a deeper, wiser, more visionary place. And sometimes, I'll be really honest with you, when I when I got into recovery from anorexia and bulimia, that was like sometimes a minute-by-minute minute choice. There wow. were days that felt like they went on for months and months because every minute I had to choose to be brave. Until yeah. eventually, I was like, okay, well, I'm where I am now, which is... You know, I have to choose to be brave on the regular, but it's not, I don't feel like I'm white knuckling it anymore, Mm. but that's just because it's not because I'm special. It's just because I've practiced and mastered it. That's it. Anybody can do this. Anybody can do this. Love it.
2: Wow. We could talk to you for like hours. I know seriously, like this is just not enough. Well, <laughs> I if go
3: if on. you want to do a part B anytime, let me know. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be honored to come back and continue the conversation about any of this stuff if you want to take it deeper.
2: Absolutely. This is just such a pleasure, such an honor to have you have your expertise. And that's really what we're doing with the Brave Visibility, with the podcast, with the membership site that we, that we have. Um, it's just, you know, we want to be able to bring all the amazing people who have done the work and who are helping others um, do the work and just, just basically having all the resources for everyone. So thank you so much for sharing your brilliance. Oh,
3: thank you. It's really been an honor. And I'm just, again, I can't, I can't really thank you enough for being willing to publicly have these kinds of conversations because people need to be having these conversations Mm -hmm. to, move forward. And by move forward, I don't just mean make more money in your business. Like I want that for you. Uh, go sure. make a billion dollars. I think that's awesome. Go for it. But really my number one goal is to be of service to people. The money comes second. And so when of you course. you know, do the work to heal yourself, your business will have no choice but to grow and expand and be of more service to other people. And then the money comes as a result of that really, truly it does. So you, both of you being willing to have this conversation openly and on a public forum, I think just gives really other people another access point for this. And we really need a lot of access points to be able to like lean in and, and shift our perspective about it and also start to do the work. There is no shortcut for this.
0: You've got yeah.
3: to do the work. There's no funnel. There's no strategy. <laughs> there's no, like, there's, there is no, you know, way to do this where you just kind of get around it and make it happen. A faster. secret you hack. You have to <laughs> lean in. Yeah, you just have yes. to lean in. Thank amazing
1: you. oh my gosh Kelly this is this was the my first time meeting you technically um, yeah. so this has been a really really incredible conversation um, I just joined your Facebook group so if anybody's oh, looking great. for a community um, her group is called Disruptors Nation um, yes. be sure to check out her group um, if you you know loved all the stuff she was talking about today I'm certain that's what is, the type of content yep. that's in that community yep. um, and be sure to check out her website kellyruda.com. um she has an amazing you know um 12 month mastermind the disruptors haven um you guys gotta go and check that out and and utilize kelly as as an amazing resource um so you can get started doing doing the work the very yes. important work um yes love it you
3: deserve it remember that you just des- the healing is not just i need to go do this you deserve to go do this yeah yeah wow i love it
2: Thank you. It's always a pleasure to connect with you.
3: You too. Thank you, you both. So much. Thank you for Thank being you.
0: here. Thank you for lending us your ears. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review so we know we're not talking to ourselves. If you love this episode and would like to dive deeper into healing your mind, body, and soul, make sure to check out bravevisibility.com forward slash circle to join our membership. Every month, we'll provide you with new trainings and resources on maintaining a healthy mind and most of all, a safe space to share and grow. Go to bravevisibility.com forward slash circle where you can have full access for $20 a month. Remember to use hashtag bravevisibility when sharing this episode online. Follow us on social media at bravevisibility and catch us on the next episode. Till then, live bravely.